Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This evening, I'm going to be talking about the love of God, and it's related to what's going to happen next week. Next week is VBS week. It's one of those times where the church, many of the people in our church, will step forward and participate in ministry in a big way. There's a a couple of different ways that that happens. One is the live nativity, and I think that they're already running uh, something for people who might want to be involved in that. That's, That's something where many people from our church participate. Um, in order to make it happen. Another is VBS, where it couldn't happen without the contributions that people have made thus far um, using their gifts and talents um, to prepare for VBS and, and still using them next week to make it happen. And I'm going to be talking about the points from next week's VBS. As I was talking to Pastor Vinny earlier, I believe that um, anything that we are teaching the children, we ought to be able to take some of those points and maybe flesh them out a little bit and talk about them here. Plus, I would like you to know what the children, your children, are learning. Um, VBS is a special time because it's a time when we really focus on the gospel, which we do at different times during the year, as the curriculum allows us to. But during VBS, we do it Um, through the week uh, with opportunities for children to um, freely come and and make a commitment to Christ. And that's what we're going to be doing this year. It's a little different because it's Paul and the Underground Church. So there's an element of danger. It's going to be a little weird. And you'll find out why. But there are five points, Monday through Friday, that I'm going to be talking about sharing with that God's love is a gift. God's love changes us. God's love is always with us. God's love saves us. And God's love is worth sharing. And these are points that are going to come up at the beginning when we're singing. They're going to come up during the teaching time We're not really teaching like we have in the past where you'd have a teacher come up and they would teach a lesson to the kids. No, we're going to have live action. And every evening they're going to visit Paul. And I'm going to play Paul. I'm psyched. It's great. And he's in prison. Well, he's under arrest. He's chained to a guard a very gruff Roman guard named Brutus, played by our own Arnie Barnes. And he's not gruff, by the way. People you know, yeah, you know Arnie, he's not really that gruff, but he does, um, he's involved in prison ministry, so maybe he'll, he'll pick up gruffness that he might have met, you know, some people who were in jail, and he'll be gruff at the beginning, and then he'll be less gruff, maybe, during the week. And Paul is not going to be super upset about being under arrest, which ought to be weird to the children. And then they're going to go from him 
to the underground church. And Paul, I, Paul will be giving them <clears throat> a message to send to the underground church each evening. Um, like on Monday, it'll be God's love is a gift. And um, then they'll go and they'll share that with the underground church. You know, people playing members of that church will say, did Paul tell us anything? Is there any message? And they can cheerfully give them, yes, God's love is a gift. And they can talk about that. It's interactive to where the people playing roles will be asking children things. It's different than what we've done before, and I'm excited about it. Let's look at these in turn. Um, God's love is a gift. And on, we're going to focus each night on a portion of scripture related to the Bible point. And on Monday, it's Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. I was talking with Arnie about that. I'm saying, you know, that sounds a little harsh, doesn't it, for VBS? Yes, kids, the wages of sin is death. We talked about it because we were both raised in evangelical churches, and we, we decided, you know, we're okay, and we were raised that way, and when we were young, we heard the very same verses because we don't focus on the wages of sin as death part. We focus on the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, our Christ our Lord. That's what we're going to be focusing on. And we're going to focus on it that it's a gift, that it can't be earned. Because, you know, kids, they, they, we train them to say sorry, that they want to do things, and, and then on their own they want to do things to, to gain the favor of friends, to gain the favor of a teacher, to gain the favor of a parent. And they certainly want to gain the favor of God. So it, it's a paradigm shift for them in a big way to say, okay, you, there's nothing you can do to gain the favor of God because God wants to be perfect, wants perfection, and you're not perfect. But he loves you, and he's got a gift for you. The very thing that you want to gain his favor, you can have freely. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Now, Paul is under arrest in Rome, and as he's talking to the kids, Every verse comes from the Epistle of Romans. Now, the first thing I thought to myself was, well, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Chronology. When did he write the book of Romans that he's talking about it here? And, and did he keep a copy of the book of Romans that he carried around with him that he could read from a parchment? Well, probably he did, actually because a lot of the epistles were written and they, there were multiple copies of them. And, and, and Paul employed different people at different times to actually do the writing for him. And it is conceivable that he would have a copy of his own that he could refer to. Or, since he's in Rome, he could have even referred to the copy that he'd already sent. I'm going to give you a chronology here. Um, in A.D. 56, he's in Corinth, and that's when he writes the, book, um, the epistle to the Romans. And then after he sends it, he actually starts heading towards Jerusalem. 
he doesn't take a direct boat, but he, he's going along and he's visiting different cities. And along the way, he's hearing prophecies about and, and warnings about going to Jerusalem and things may not go well for him. And there's a prophet named Agabus. Agabus, when I think about somebody who'd like, when I was younger, I'd be like, what would it be like to be a prophet? And, and I didn't really understand like the book of Jeremiah and to be a prophet was like you could get beat up. That maybe, you know, it, it's a good thing to be a prophet, but it may not be a fun thing to be a prophet. Well, in the New Testament, it wasn't a fun thing either. Agabus, he, there were two prophecies that he, he's noted for in, in Scripture. One was that there would be a famine, a great famine, which happened. And the other was that Paul at some point would be um, bound up and taken to, and, and arrested. And Paul knew this. And he was also warned that you know, other people had had a word from the Lord that something would happen to him when he got to Jerusalem. He didn't care. He, he, it was like he accepted the fate that whatever befell him, and he was going to do it. There was even a point where he stopped near, near Ephesus, and some of the Ephesian church came to him, and it was like yet he told them, this is the last time you're going to see me. Like he knew something was happening. And he makes his way to Jerusalem, and he goes in. Now, he's a Christian, but he's still Jewish, so he does do some of the things that Jews do. And uh, one of them was a Nazarite vow, um, and he fulfilled it, and he went into the temple to do that. So he was seen in the temple. And then later on, he was with one of his um, team, Trophimus, and, and somebody in the Jewish leadership got it in their head that and accused Paul of, of taking Trophimus, who was a Gentile, and bringing him into the temple. Paul did not do this, but he was accused of that, and that was why he was arrested. And then once he was arrested, they, they came and they threw more charges against him, and they brought him before Felix. Now, Felix had the same job Pontius Pilate had before. So he was a procurator, and he'd be the person who could um, make judgments, and he can also decide to execute people. And the... the, uh, the leaders of uh, the Jews in Jerusalem thought it would be a great idea if Paul was put to death, so they were going to do everything in their power to make that happen, and if they couldn't make it happen actually uh, by uh, illegal execution, they would, they would be happy to do it by assassination. So all that was going on, and um, Felix had Paul for a couple of years and, and would periodically listen to him, but he never did anything, never made a judgment. Um, and then his term ended, and because he wanted to keep on the good side of um, the Jewish leaders, he left Paul in prison and left. And then the next person came in, that was Festus. And so what Felix did was he kicked the can down the road and left Paul with Festus. And then uh, I guess he wanted to make sure if anybody um, was going to sort of write a review of his job and send it to Rome. He wanted them to be as happy as possible. So that's why he wanted to gain their favor, I think. And in Festus, well, Paul went through the whole thing of defending himself again. Now Festus even brought in Agrippa, who was related to King Herod. We might remember him from um, when Jesus was born. And... Paul made a defense of himself before them. But then he said, 
I would like to go to Rome, I would like to be tried before the emperor because Paul was, unlike a lot of people, a citizen of Rome. And Festus said, well, you know, me, I would have acquitted you, but since you're going to go to Rome, you can go. And I don't know if he said that because Paul said he was going to go to Rome. I don't know if he really would have acquitted him, but that's what he said. So Paul wanted to go to Rome anyway. And now not only was he going to go to Rome, but the Roman government was going to pay the tab. Sweet! So that was the plan. They did leave at a bad time of the year. The weather wasn't great. They made slow progress, ran into different bad weather at different points, including such a bad storm. And it's all in the book of Acts, so you can read through this. It's a great story, a series of stories to read in the book of Acts. Um, there was a shipwreck, and uh, nobody died, which is miraculous. But eventually, eventually, Paul made it to Rome. And, and he made it there by AD 60. So about four years after he wrote the epistle to Rome, he shows up to Rome. Well, um, there are some things going on in the Roman church. It was, like many churches, part Jew and part Gentile. But then the Jews were ejected from the city of Rome by the emperor Claudius. Um, there are different reasons as to why. Among the ones that are stated uh, is the Christians, that they were causing an upheaval. And Claudius decided the way to get rid of the problem was to get rid of the Jews. So he kicked them all out of Rome. So you had actually a church that was all Gentile for a while, and then, after the passage of some time, not a long time, the Jews started filtering back in. And when they did that, the church had to get used to being this part Jew and part Gentile thing, and, and, and they were having some difficulty, and Paul had learned of it. So when Paul wrote the book of Romans, which is, if you haven't read through the book of Romans, it's, it's a good one to read through because Paul's setting out some of the basics of Christianity while at the same time dealing with some of the issues that Jews and Gentiles had in such a mixed church. And so he wrote that, and then he had still hoped to visit them, and sure enough, four years later, he's visiting. He's in chains, but he's visiting. So the children are going to see kind of a happy Paul who's chained to a guard, Brutus, Flavius, Macro. And, and there he is. And he's going to be talking about the kid, you know, asking the kids questions, seeing how they're doing, where they come from. Have they ever been persecuted for being a Christian? And if they say no, he'll say, great! And if he says yes, they can have a conversation. And I'm looking forward to that. And yes, they, they know me because I'm Mr. Bill, but I already asked him, I said, you know, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be Paul, so I want you guys to pretend, okay? So hopefully they'll do a good job of just going along with it and treating me like I'm Paul. Um, and Paul's going to tell them on Monday, God's love is a gift, and is going to read from a scroll, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
and it's going to ask them to send the message that God's love is a gift to the underground church. And the underground church, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that they dig holes and they go underground? I mean, well, children we're talking about. We say underground church, we kind of know what underground means. For kids, eh, not so much. So we're going to explain it to them. And maybe in some simple terms, how being a Christian was kind of a problem for people who lived in Rome and actually everywhere in the Roman Empire because they were different. Now, uh, I want to share with you what they were accused of. Cannibalism. You know, we, we have communion. The uh, Take this, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood. We know what it means. But if the story gets twisted and gets out, they're cannibals. Disruption of business could happen. Um, there were certain types of businesses that the Christians didn't participate in because um, if it was meat that was obviously offered to an idol, they wouldn't do business in that shop necessarily. I mean, it was one thing, and Paul talks about this in Corinthians, if you happen to meet, eat meat and you don't know where it came from, just eat it. But if you know that it came from an idol, then to practice some wisdom there. And so Christians wouldn't go into those shops that said, hey, come and buy. We've got some meat that was, it was uh, just sacrificed to Jupiter yesterday. It's fresh. Come on in. They wouldn't do it. Then there's the immorality in the Roman world, particularly in Rome at that time. And, and so some people who became Christians had participated in it, and they stepped away from it, and it was noticeable. Uh, but then they were also accused of gross immorality because they'd hear uh, that they had orgies when that wasn't true. Is uh, Greeting each other with a holy kiss is not an orgy, but if you want to tell a story, you take the kiss and you convert it into something else. Um, Anti-family actions because of um, people becoming Christians would disrupt the, the existing Roman families. Um, poverty. They would make the claim that a lot of the Christians were poor and a drag on society. Atheism, which really isn't our kind of atheism. It's the kind of atheism that says, I believe in a God um, that is the only God. And these other gods that you have well, they're not gods. Only our God is God. Because that's not the way it was in those worlds. I'd, I'd worship Mithra, but, you know, I would still, you know, say a prayer to Jupiter if everyone in the room was doing that because I didn't want to offend anybody. And, you know, he's a god too. I like Mithra, but, you know, I, I can deal with Jupiter. That's not what Jews did, and it's not what Christians did. Now, Jews actually had an out. They could, um, they were exempted from this. Christians were not. And the more it became known that these Christians really weren't Jews and that they weren't uh, praying to the, uh, to the different Roman gods, and it became a problem. And at first it was on a local level, um, and that was the way it was at this time. It was really a local problem. In a couple of hundred years, it would become an institutional situation where Rome would persecute Christians as a state policy. But we weren't there yet. Introduction of novelties. That means that they're introducing something that's new and didn't exist before. In that world, the gods that 
were there, had been there for a long time. So you might learn about a god, but that you were learning about a god that maybe was in Persia that had been there for 800 years or 1,000 years or 2,000 years. Uh, they weren't creating new religions, and that's, to them, what Christianity was. Lack of patriotism. They would accuse Christians who believed in a kingdom that, not, that was not of this world to not being fully supportive of uh, the Roman Empire. Antisocial behavior for a variety of different reasons. And causing disasters. They, an earthquake happens, blame the Christians. If there's a great fire in Rome, well, Nero blamed the Christians. So um, this has started to happen during this time, and it only increased with time. So that is day one. On Tuesday, we're going to talk about how God's love changes us. And in the scripture... Um, we give it in an abbreviated form to the kids. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Uh, but when we read it the, uh, in the New King James, it is, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove uh, that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, um, in a broad sense, God's love does change us. Now, we know that what that means is that God gave us his word. God gave us his spirit. And they together help us in to, to renew our minds. And to the extent to which we are taking in God's word and that we are allowing ourselves to be renewed, um, then God is going to be able to change us. And I, I speak from a perspective of growing up in church and not always doing this. And I actually loved popular culture too much when I was uh, in my teenage years. And, and that was part of the reason that when I became a young adult, went off to college uh, for my first couple of years, I didn't want to follow God at all, even though I was a Christian at that time. And God had to deal with me. And he did it really by letting me just wander and figure out on my own that I was a Christian and that what I was doing wasn't helpful or good. And I needed my mind to be renewed. And, and he brought me to a place where I was willing to say, yes, that's what I want. I also know people who never had to go through that. Because at a young age, they started to let their minds be transformed by God's word and God's spirit. And they just let it go on. Now, certainly everybody's a sinner and everyone's got their faults. But they got to skip some of the things I had to go through where I was damaged and I damaged other people. And, and they didn't have to do that. So I don't want children who are raised in our church to, to have to go through that. And, and I want to give them, <clears throat> uh, not only me, but the teachers who teach, some of them are here tonight, and the ones who participate in VBS and helping them make it happen, the, at least several, if not many, are here tonight. Uh, we want them to get that information, that foundation. The children are going to meet Apostle Paul as he cheerfully explains his life history and how God's love changed him from being a Pharisee in the Jewish nation, somebody very interested in keeping the rules. Now, we don't want 
our children to become Pharisees. We don't want our children to become people who are dependent on keeping rules. That we want them to obey God's word as um, because we've been saved. Not let them think that they can uh, keep a lot of rules and start to feel better about themselves. Because that can happen. We don't want that. Um, but instead, that God, we want God's word, God's spirit to transform them. And in the underground church, Lydia and Marcus will explain how God's love changed them from worshiping many gods to worshiping the true God and other changes that happened in their life. And again, the verse, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And on Wednesday... We're going to give them the short version of God's love is always with us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. That's what they're going to get. But for you tonight, I'm going to, this is from Romans again. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that love is with us no matter what happens, even if there are difficult times, even if there are scary times. And um, so we're going to introduce that with the children, and Paul is going to ask the kids to send that to the underground church. And they will. He'll talk about how God's love is always with us and stronger than, that the chain, than the chain that binds him to his Roman guard. I got the chain in Home Depot, by the way. It's a nice chain. Yeah. And the members of the underground church are going to discuss how, love, how God's love, his love with them and the children, and, and um, even with the difficulties that they have, meeting in caves, meeting in people's homes, being afraid, that they're balancing that, what's balancing that is uh, that they know that God loves them, they know that God's with them, they know they're in the right place, and they want to obey God still. So yes, um, I'm going to read actually uh, an extended version of that same scripture. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, so much for the uh, health, wealth, and prosperity. Paul's writing here is that even as we go through these difficulties, even as we, if there are Christians who can actually look at the verse that says, for your sake we are being killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter because 
In parts of the world, even today, they are being killed. So they could take comfort in that even though these terrible things were happening, uh, that they were in the right place and that they were more than conquerors, which is kind of weird, you think. Okay, we're being, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. It's like these two things don't go together, but they do because there's a sovereign God who loves us and cares for us, and everything is going to turn out okay. Um, God will make everything right. But for the kids, we're going to give them the short version of that. So, on Thursday, God's love saves us. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. So introducing the idea that there's really nothing that we can do. There was no, it wasn't like Jesus said, you know, those, those people, they're really nice. They've got some problems. They're not perfect. But I see a lot of good in them, so I'm going to come down and save them. No. We were completely undeserving. And that's something we're going to introduce to them. That God loved us while we were still sinners. God loved us first. We didn't love God first. God loved us first. And Paul's going to talk about how God's love saves us and how it can save one of his guards, Brutus. You see, God's witnessing to Brutus all week. He thinks, oh, I'm, I've got a guard chained to me. Great witnessing opportunity. He can't go anywhere. Which is crazy unless we have a sovereign God that's going to make everything right. And unless you have somebody like Paul who understands that and knows right now, I am chained. I may get out. I may not get out. But I've got this guard chained to me, and I'm going to tell him about the gospel if I can. And then the next guy, well, because they were in shifts, you know, the next guy, he'll do the same thing. And he'll witness to each and every one of them as he can. And any visitors that have come in, he'll certainly talk to them and encourage them as much as he can. But the kids are going to see Paul sharing the gospel with Brutus. And in the underground church, they're going to learn how God's love saves us and gives us courage in difficult times as they hear that one of the members is being chased by Roman guards. And we have a sound effect that we'll be able to play during that. So God's love saves us, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And finally, God's love is worth sharing, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And that's what we're telling the kids. But I'm going to give you the larger section of scripture. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, but also for the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God, for the, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. 
as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And faith to faith, I've heard that described in a couple of different ways. One is from an older faith, Judaism, to a new faith, but also from faith at the beginning to faith at the end. I read that and I think to myself, well, of course Paul's not ashamed. But he was saying that so that we would hear that and not be ashamed. When I was a teenager, there were times when I was ashamed, which I am in turn now ashamed to tell you. But I was, because I felt weird. I felt different. And I'm sure that some of you have felt that even as adults. I know I have as an adult too, but I'm not ashamed anymore. And um, Paul doesn't want any of us to be ashamed. And, and you know, for kids, that, that's a good thing to introduce to the fact is that this faith is important and that there may be people who want to make them feel bad because they're Christians and because of what they believe. And they, they shouldn't because the gospel that they believe is, is the power of God. It, it's what saves. It's the most important thing. So I'm hoping that that's something that, um, especially since we have a lot of kids who are Christians, that they'll really uh, catch that. Now, in Brutus, our guard, is going to get saved. And um, he's even going to tell his boss. And because he took an arrow in Gaul for his boss, he's not going to go to prison himself but he will stop being God's, uh, Paul's guard and he will finish his military service cleaning the stalls of the emperor, shoveling manure. But he's okay with it because he's got new life in Christ. And in the underground church, the members there are going to talk about the importance of sharing God's love with others. Now, one thing that we're going to introduce to them is... Um, the sign of the fish, which, how many of you have seen this before? Probably most of you, okay? Uh, Why would you have a fish? Why wouldn't you have a cross? You know, well, it's Rome, and there are lots of crosses all over the place, and they use them to crucify people, so it would be sort of like, it would be weird. It wouldn't really stand out. It would be like maybe if I was a goth Roman, I might have a cross around my neck because it was, it was what they used to, to kill people. It, it wouldn't have the same um, symbolism that crosses do ha- have for us because we live in a different age and time. Uh, what they did is they, they did the sign of the fish because um, It was, uh, the word fish was an acrostic for Jesus. And um, I I did not look up how to pronounce this, so as usual, I do it for um, entertainment purposes. It's ichthys, maybe, (laughs) or ichthys. But the first letter is the word for uh, G, the first letter is also the first letter for the Greek word for Jesus. The next letter is the first letter for anointed and then God's son, Savior. So it's sort of like a code. 
So um, they would put the fish, and, and some people wouldn't understand it, but the Christians would. And God's love is worth sharing. So that's what we're talking about. Those five things. God's love is a gift. God's love changes us. God's love is always with us. God's love saves us. And God's love is worth sharing. So uh, please join me in praying for VBS, that it's a safe time, that it's a time that um, the children who don't know Jesus will be able to respond to the gospel, to those who children who are Christians, that their strength, faith may be strengthened, that the, the adults who are, and young, young adults and teenagers who are participating and, and the older adults will also be blessed by it. And um, I'd like to thank everybody now, and I'll probably continue to thank everybody who's participated, making it happen, because uh, as usual, without everyone participating, it wouldn't happen. So with that, let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have Children's Church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.